Good evening and hope you had an awesome day and a meaningful Rosh Hashanah. You know, I have to be honest, it was actually one of my best ever. But seriously, yes, it was very stressful leading up to it, figuring out shul logistics, seating, distancing, tents, you name it. But thank God everything came together and therefore on Rosh Hashanah itself, I feel like everyone who came was able to be super present, access the reflections and lessons learned from the past six months of this crazy life and bring that into a very personal and uplifting spirit for the new year. Not to mention that it was also a big treat to spend the first night after Rosh Hashanah with over 20 people from this Hevra starting that 2.0 learning for the week ahead and looking forward to tonight's as well. Okay, on to the podcast. So with Rosh Hashanah behind us, we are now leading up to Yom Kippur. And there is a very famous passage in the Talmud which needs a little explanation. And it's one that I believe can give us a lot of important food for thought for the week ahead. See, normally people believe that there are two books that lie open before God and you want to be written in the good one, not the bad one. But the Talmud actually teaches us that there are three books, not two. What's the third one? So the Talmud in Tractate Rosh Hashanah 16b quotes Rabbi Yochanan, who teaches the following. There are three books open on Rosh Hashanah before God. One for the Rishayim, the completely wicked ones. One for Tzadikim, the completely righteous one. Now the Tzadikim are immediately written in the Book of Life and the Rishayim immediately in the Book of Death. So those are the two that we all know about. But then he says there's a third, the book of the Benonim, meaning the book of those Benoni in the middle, whose good and bad deeds are equal. They're the ones who are stuck in the middle, their judgment suspended from Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. And then the Gemara goes on to explain that their report is based on what they do during this time, the time period that we refer to as the Aseret Yimei Tshuva. Now, the general assumption is that we are all part of this Benoni category, the ones that have equal actions of righteousness and, let's say, not such good things. But the question that always bothered me was, really? I mean, seriously, are there so many people who, when you take that heavenly scale and put the good deeds on one side and the not such good ones on the other side, you know, on that big scale that we all have an image of in our minds right now, do we actually think that the two sides are ever completely equal? I mean, really? Is it, well, this year you score 146,324 mitzvahs. And what would you know? 146,324 averos too. I guess we're going to have to take it into overtime. So along comes a great Jewish sage, Rav Hutner, who was born in Warsaw, traveled to Palestine in his teens, narrowly escaped the Hebron massacre in 1929, went back to Europe and then ultimately to America in the 30s and headed a great yeshiva for decades called Chaim Berlin. He explains that passage in the Talmud as follows. Rabbi Yochanan wasn't saying that there are good people who have more good deeds and bad people who have more misdemeanors and then people that are tied. Rather, there is a different explanation to all of this. When you think about it, actually, it's quite logical and even more powerful. Rav Hertner explains that you could actually have a tzaddik who has more averos, misdemeanors, and you could have a rasha that happens to have more mitzvos. And while actions are important, you aren't defined simply by the actions, as there is another level of accountability as well, which is, what do you strive to live for? I mean, what are you committed to? So what's a rasha, he says? He defines it as someone who deep down wants to really reject Judaism, but they hold on, do deeds, maybe even because of their situation, they do more good than bad. But that's just accidental, not intentional, and definitely not aspirational. They're committed to not being a tzaddik, so they never want to be one. Then you have people who truly strive to reach a level and develop a personality that is righteous in the way they act, speak, think, you name it. But perhaps they still make many mistakes. In fact, maybe even more than they get right. But the mistakes bother them. 
They strive to be a tzaddik. They know it and God knows it. They're committed to be righteous, but it's just that they, like all people, struggle. Those people are easy to judge. God knows inside what a person is thinking in their heart of hearts, and he just cares, as in any relationship, about what you are truly committed to. But then there are the benonim, and they are people, like many of us, that simply don't really know what they are living for. They sometimes feel inspired to want to strive to develop the personality of a great soul. They want people to speak about them as that person who is so righteous, but they know you have to work hard for years to gain that reputation, for the rabbi and others to get up there and give that type of eulogy. And there are other times that the same person might think, well, what's the point? Why bother? And besides, there are too many pleasures that I would prefer to pursue. Meaning is nice in theory, but just give me the food I want on the golf course I like and let me speak about what and however I want as long as I'm having fun. And these two personalities both exist in one individual. Sound familiar? These people, we, are the benonim in the middle, torn, sitting on the fence. So along comes Rosh Hashanah reminds us, you can't live life successfully with a split personality. You've got to stand before God and more importantly in front of yourself in that mirror and have an honest discussion if you are torn and say, hey buddy, listen, I've got another 30, 40, 50, who knows how many years left. What really is the purpose of my life? And what am I striving for? What will success look like when it's all over? But I mean all over. And on Rosh Hashanah, God says, So I see you're trying to figure out what you hope to be in the year ahead. I get that you don't often pause to think about it. So let me do the following. I'll give you a week to do some thinking, some homework. Try to figure out what you really strive for, but take this week seriously. And then we can decide what the future looks like based on the answer when we get together back on Yom Kippur. These days, we aren't asked to count our deeds. We're asked to figure out what we believe really counts in life. Come up with that answer, and then you're ready for Yom Kippur. In essence, it's all about commitment. To have no commitment is the ultimate character flaw. Just going in any direction at any moment based on how you feel that second, how inspired or uninspired you feel, that's not the way to achieve anything. You have to commit. Life is about committing to something that you think is worth striving for. When renewing a person's life for another year, it makes sense to not ask, were you naughty or nice? But more importantly, what do you commit to aspire to or are proud to be? So during this time, God is saying, okay, stop living a wishy-washy life. Commit. Be honest. What are you about? This time period is all about making a commitment to what you want to live for. It's definitely worth thinking about because understanding what you strive to be in life is important. At the end of the day, that's the story and legacy of your life. So on that note, wishing you an awesome night and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.